All right. Welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. My name is Kyle Nelson, and this is my co-host here, Eli Libby. And today we have a very special guest. We're very lucky to have her on, Miss um, Susan Drum. She is the CEO. Uh, she is a CEO advisor and leadership coach, and she also runs a boutique consulting firm called Meritage Leadership, which um, some of the clients that she's worked with are some of the largest in the world, like Oracle, Viacom, KPMG, and so many more. So thank you so much for joining us, Susan, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's let's just jump right in. Um, we're going to start off, kind of learn a little bit more about your background, and then we'll dive into kind of the, the meat of the podcast, which is going to be talking about resilience. So before we get into that, let's talk a little bit more about your background, how you kind of become became the CEO and, and spun off this boutique agency. So we'll let you take the, take the stage. Sure. Well, I have a pretty diverse background. Um, it's, uh, it, I went to law school at Harvard and decided not to practice law right out of the gate. So, um, and uh, I, I guess I learned pretty quickly on that was not going to be for me, um, at spending some time at different law firms during the summers. And I went from there into consulting. Okay. So um, I worked for BCG for a number of years and doing management and strategy consulting. Cool. And um, the reason this is important is I share my background is I'm using all of this in the leadership development work that I do today. So um, it's, it's really uh, like law school taught me how to make distinctions in particular, distinctions in case law, but I use that same skill to help people make distinctions in mindset. And then, you know, BCG strategy consulting has been super helpful to make sure the leadership development work we do is influenced by the strategy of what, what the company's trying to create. Um, and then I went to NBC doing marketing and business development for a while. Nice. And then I took a little bit of a hiatus and I got a master's in drama. So Great in knowledge. acting, and I actually found I leveraged that a ton because in acting, you learn how to be authentic, how to have, you know, the executive presence mm -hmm. piece, but yeah. also how to deal with the inner critic you know, that voice inside your head that's commenting. And if you don't know how to help be healthy with that, mm -hmm. it can get in your way. And certainly as an actor, it can. And I kept thinking, God, there's got to be a way I bring this back to business. And right. so after I, I did a little bit of stint in acting, because I did love it, um, that's when I got into leadership development. So this was back in 2003 that I started. So um, almost 20 years ago. And uh then started my own firm in 2006 and, and been growing that ever since. Wow. Amazing. What Amazing a cool, background. what a cool background and just how everything kind of collided and came together like that. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I really love the actor part. How did that, um, was that a passion-based thing or were you actually thinking uh, of taking that down the business route and using it kind of as like that other side of the brain? Were you thinking about it from a business standpoint or were you just thinking about it as I want to take a step away? I want to do something passion-based that I love and try something totally different, mm -hmm. get out of that comfort zone. What, how did acting, how did you, how did you decide to go down that route? Yeah, it was more the, the latter of just deciding, you know, I was feeling a little burnt out. I mm -hmm. wasn't sure what I wanted to be doing. I was burnt out with sort of the corporate politics, big company, you know, and, and I didn't really feel like I found what my calling or home was. And that's super important to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew I was passionate about acting. I didn't know where it would lead. And sometimes, you know, if you can do this a little bit earlier in your career and take the gamble, uh, it, 
totally paid off for me and, and works in ways that I think differentiate our offerings in, in the marketplace. Wow. I love that. That's very cool. That's, that's awesome. People so, thought I was crazy, though. Hey, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that, that means it's a good decision uh, yeah. for yourself, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, so at Meritage Leadership, you focus on helping um, executive C-suite executives um, become better leaders and understand that resilience is one of the main traits and focuses that you need as a leader um, in times of change and uncertainty. Um, why is that? Why is, or maybe you can speak a little bit more on resilience first and then kind of go into like why leaders really need to be focusing on that portion um, of their skills. Yeah. Well, it's really become a hot topic, especially now mm-hmm. dealing with the level of change and uncertainty that we right, absolutely. are. Um, but I was interested in it well before, you know, pandemic happened um, because I noticed that certain leaders seem to uh, be able to handle stress and crises much better, mm-hmm. whereas others would fly off the handle um, and that would impact how they lead their team and whether or not people wanted to stay or be engaged. And so I wanted to figure out, well, is this innate or can it be learned? And and can we build resilience over time in the leadership development work that we do? So that's where where it all started. And and I think um, towards that end, I was really looking at the neuroscience to understand how does our perception and our brain function impact our ability to stay resilient? And, and so that's, that's really where a lot of the work comes from. Yeah. It seems like there are so many, um, environmental like things that, that change that mindset of being resilient. Right. I mean, there's, you never know, you know, if you, if you're in the right mindset and you feel like you're resilient, I feel like there's so many things in, in the outside that's, uh, that's affecting you that will change you instantly. But I guess if you can always think in that mindset and once you kind of understand it and developed resilience, it'll help you kind of stay on track and, and be able to, it's kind of like we were talking about the other day, um, Jacko, mm-hmm. how, mm-hmm. how military and the Marines, um, they work best when they're under when they have, you know, bullets just shooting at them because they know the process and the resilience right then and there. Whereas when they're not yeah. in, you know, the front line, that's mm-hmm. when they're trying to figure out what to do. And, and it makes them a little bit more on edge. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, uh, the book he's talking about is called extreme ownership by Jocko Willink, uh, mm-hmm. big military sergeant, but it, he, he spins it off into leadership at, at, at a business level and a C-suite level where he goes now and consults with them, but he brings back all that military experience of like processes and practicing and practicing, practicing so that when there is a massive change, like a global pandemic, they're prepared and they just really just go by the book and it, it relates it really well. So I think what you're saying is, is, is super relatable. Um, you- yeah. So, you know, I, I think it would be cool if you kind of spoke a little bit on like, developing resilience or mm-hmm. if you're born with it. Cause I feel yeah. like we know people that kind of have that natural, natural, um, they, they just seem like they're, they're, they're always resilient. They're strong when, when they, you know, like people that work in under chaos. Well, mm-hmm. um, is it something that is developed over time? Is it something that we can learn or is it something that, you know, you're naturally born with that you kind of just go with and, and you're able to kind of share? Yeah, well, what I discovered is you absolutely can develop it over time. Um, and, and part of it, if, if you think about your resilience like an inner battery mm-hmm. and how you, what practices are you doing to top up that inner battery to be able to handle whatever is coming in the outside world? Right. And so I think there's a more expanded definition of resilience, which is 
um, developing the capacity to, to handle stress, mm. change and uncertainty, not just the ability to, but the capacity so that when your battery is full, then you're more able to handle what's coming your way. Think about, you know, when you have a really bad night's sleep or mm. dealing with, with, you know, maybe physical pain or something, your capacity yep. to handle, you know, an argument with your spouse is diminished, right? Right. So what we're really talking about is what is your capacity? Are you in a state where you can handle because stuff's going to come at you, right? It's going to come at you. And we've seen it even more this year and the rate of change that's happening, it's going to keep happening. So what are you doing to top up that inner battery? And that's, Mm. that's some of the practices and things that we look at. I love that battery. We're always trying to like uh, relate things to kind of like analogies. And I love the battery one being full and charged. That is amazing. And uh, we, we all, we all know like the different things to help charge that battery. And I think we're all different in how we charge those batteries and the, the outside factors of like, for me, you know, it's like, you know, working out every day or whatever, those endorphins, getting those going, that charges the battery to allow me to, you know, take on more during the day and be more resilient. And if I don't, if I don't do that, I definitely feel, you know, that mm-hmm. I can't handle as much. The battery's a little low. So um, going off what you kind of said, uh, what is like a good example of someone that reacts uh, in an unresilient way and someone that reacts and they've learned and developed a skill of resilience, mm. maybe like in a, in a business um, situation? Yeah. What have you seen in the past or what have maybe you've personally experienced or a clients that, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is probably not the best way or this is a very typical way people react and this is a way that is, is a better professional, like yep. leader-based skill set way to react to something? Yeah, I um, worked with a leader who was um, hated surprises you know, and, and felt like it was, and, and, and would really get quite upset in meetings. And it, it's almost like there was a, a belief that it was intentional, but it was, it wasn't always intentional. Oh, okay. Someone was just thinking or just, Hey, didn't think to include you on this email kind of thing, right. but would take it so, so personally and, and maybe respond in a way that wasn't the healthiest for creating collaboration within the organization. So it's sort of, you know, some of this is learning, like what are your triggers and hot buttons and, Mm. and potentially Mm. widening your lens, because I think when, when they get triggered, you're going down a certain neural pathway and it's like a four lane highway, man, that thing has been grooved in your brain over and over and over again. And, and I often say like what you're getting upset about probably has actually is somewhat to do with what's going on there, but a lot more to do with what happens in the past. And now you've just added a whole bunch of frustration for whatever happened in the past onto this person that is currently presenting that challenge right. for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like going back, you're letting other environmental things infect, affect you and really you're not paying attention to, you know, the specific situation that's on hand. Um, wow. That's, that's really, yeah, that's really cool. So maybe, maybe we can um, kind of, dive a little bit into like the neuroscience behind mm. resilience and, and the connectors in our brain um, and, and kind of the quick reactions that we automatically take, um, you know, in, in a certain situation. Yeah. So um, in our, so in our program, we, uh, that's specifically on resilience, we look at resilience in three main domains. Um, and some of them are quite surprising to executives, um, but that's that's what the research says. So, mm-hmm. so today I'll talk more about one of the more surprising ones, which is okay. the heart. 
Um, so the heart actually has its own neurons. Um, so people just think neurons live in the brain, right. but the heart is actually sends important signals to the brain. In fact, the heart sends more signals to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. Oh, wow. So the heart is actually an access point for us to build our capacity to stay resilient. And that's what I think is oh, sort yeah. of mind blowing. Yeah, um, a is. lot of this research comes from um, the uh, HeartMath Institute that, uh, you know, they have over 300 published research studies around our ability to um, affect the heart rhythms and connect to certain emotional states and how they impact brain function. And so what we want to do is sort of move someone out of the fight or flight trigger into the prefrontal cortex. So the fight or flight is the amygdala, the oldest part of the brain. And the prefrontal cortex is our, our reasoning thinking brain, highest processing. That's where you make the best decisions, right? Think about like when you fly off the handle and you say something you regret later, right? You weren't, you weren't really in the prefrontal cortex at <laughs> yep. that moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do you... How do you kind of work to not let that trigger happen so quickly? I mean, we want to, we're built with it because, you know, if a, if a, you know, tiger was chasing us down or something, we right. needed to fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then we need to shake it off, but we don't really have that usually that serious level of threat. And yet in, in working environments, you see that all the time where people are reliving, you know, the, the tiger mm-hmm. chasing them. And, and, and so you also think about, you know, when a gazelle on the plane is getting chased by a lion, they go into that fight or flight and all, all the blood goes to their extremities to be able to Mm. move forward um, when they're in fear or when they're, you know, in that flight. But then once they're out of harm's way, they shake it off. And then they go back to grazing. And, and what we find in human beings is we're not so good at shaking it off. That's a trip. Um, you know, and so when we talk about that, increasing that resilience, right. then we do some of the work around the heart to do it. That's amazing. I think we've only, I, don't, I wouldn't even consider scratching the surface and what we've talked about before. A lot of our, our you know, some of the neuroscience stuff has been mm-hmm. uh, around meditation and visualization. And I don't think we've even scratched the surface no. from compared to what, where you just went with kind of the heart and the brain and talking. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And putting it into the perspective of the gazelle, mm-hmm. I've never thought about like the fight or flight with them. And you're right. They are so resilient. They go back to their, their, their mundane. Yeah. Got to find the water, got to find the grass to eat yep. and just really thriving Continue to live. Life. Like yep. they're just trying to live. But the second that that line comes, they know exactly what to do. Wow. That's really cool. I'm excited on that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, we've talked a little bit, we've dove a little bit about, you know, what is resilience, some examples of it. Mm-hmm. How can we, um, as, as leaders, us and other people that are listening, like how can you become more resilient? How do we develop, start just like even just beginning to think about uh, things that we can apply in our daily life to, to be able to be more resilient, mm-hmm. um, not just at work, but even at home and in our everyday life? Yeah, so I, um, there are a number of practices, um, again, in each of the domains that, you know, these three main domains, the one I thought would be helpful, because it's an easy one to do today, is um, something called quick coherence. Um, So I need to back up a little bit and say, what is coherence? So coherence is the state of where heart and brain are optimally aligned. So think of a crew rowing at the same time. 
Right. Um, and we can measure coherence. So you can measure it by heart rate variability, HRV. And when you're in a coherent state, when heart and brain are aligned, you get a perfect sine wave looking uh, graph of your heart rate variability. When you're in an incoherent state, it's sort of more of like a jagged line. And, um, and so how you enter into a coherent state, we have a specific practice called quick coherence. Now, what it relies upon is your ability to connect to certain types of emotions, because in a way, emotions are the language of the heart. Right. And, and so on, on one end, there are depleting emotions. Those are things such as frustration, anger, irritation. Um, those set into motion a cascade of 1,400 biochemical changes in your body um, when you're feeling those emotions. And, and so the key is, you know, it's not saying that those emotions are bad per se, they give us important information. However, it, how long are you living in those emotions and getting the cortisol and the stuff that's depleting and depleting your immunity? So we, we take a look at that. We look at situations that are depleting energy. And then we contrast that with renewing emotions. And those are emotions such as gratitude, appreciation, care, love. Those emotions Set into, motion, set into your body 1,400 biochemical changes in the reverse where vitality hormones like DHEA get, get flooded into your system. What we know is when you're connecting to either one of these emotions, we see it on the uh, graph of heart rate variability. We see you get into a coherent wow. state. Wow. So the technique I wanted to share with you, um, if you're game to do it with me, oh, is, is essentially okay. putting your heart into a coherent state. Okay. And it's so simple, it'll blow your mind, but yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, um, so I'm going to describe the two steps first, and then we'll do okay. it. Um, so the first step, you're going to be connecting to the area of your heart or chest area. And imagine your breath flowing in and out of that area, a little bit slower and deeper than you used to. And you can do this with your eyes open or closed. Okay. Some even do this in the middle of a meeting when they need to calm down. Okay. And then the second step, and we'll get into this, is to connect to a regenerative emotion, such as care or appreciation for someone or something in your life. I like to think about my pet Jasmine, little puppy. She's adorable, but connect to that and do your best to really feel the emotion. That's what's key. Not just think about it, but actually experience the emotion. So we'll do it together. So yeah. I'll read go. them again so that they can follow. And I encourage listeners to follow mm -hmm. along as mm -hmm. well. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So you connect to the area of the heart and imagine your breath flowing in and out of your heart or chest area a little slower and deeper than usual. Now make a sincere attempt to experience a regenerative emotion, such as appreciation or love for something or someone in your life. 
Okay. So, how are you guys feeling? I'm feeling. I feel good. I feel very relaxed. And yeah. yeah, I feel like the battery just got charged up. Really. I, I kind of, a little euphoric. I totally kind of forgot we were even on a podcast there. It was very <laughs> relaxing and like just. Uh, I absolutely did. Yeah. Absolutely. I was in the moment. That's for sure. Which is crazy with lights, cameras, screens and stuff in front of us right now. That's amazing. The power of, of what your heart and brain can do. And I think I really like the, uh, you know, and like meditation, you're thinking of kind of um, how the breath is translating throughout your whole body mm -hmm. and, and feeling the motion and how the breath is affecting every part. I think thinking differently about, about the heart, that right. was really interesting. And that's something I've never done before. And then connecting it with like a really happy emotion. That was, right. that was awesome. Thanks yeah. for uh, yeah, guiding, guiding us and the listeners through that one. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not meditation. I do do meditation, but I want to, this right. is a technique that you can do in that. Like I said, you're triggered in the middle yep. of an e-meeting to get yourself back. But, um, but you can also build resilience with this. So I recommend doing it first thing in the morning. Okay. Um, last thing before you go to bed, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep, this is a great thing to do. Get your, get your heart back into a coherent state, your heart and brain in a coherent state, and it will help you tremendously. And over time you can actually measure it. There's a sensor an app that you can buy that I use, you clip it to your ear. And on our workshops, we demo how people, when they're in a angry, frustrated state, what the heart rate looks like, the heart rate variability. And, and when you're in a coherent state, what that looks like. That's wow. cool. So I, I do have a question off of that. Uh, trying to explain to the listeners the difference between meditating in the morning and, and doing this, this exercise we just went through. What are some of the, like the, the, really cut and dry difference. Um, what makes those two different? Like to do it first thing in the morning. Cause I would do that if I was, you know, heated in a meeting or something kind of sparked back. Um, but I guess, how can you, how can you explain that to the listeners to really show the difference? Does that make sure, sense? sure. So as you notice, this took, you know, it can take a minute. Um, right. I, I like to encourage practicing for five minutes. Okay. I also meditate. And what I do is I do this dropping into my meditation. Okay. So I start with this. And then I do a mantra based meditation. So then I go into the mantra, Okay. but the key is that you can do this throughout the day. And, right. you know, in, in a recent conference, there were people like, um, you know, first responders, um, uh, F 16 fighter pilot was there learning these techniques as well, because they've got to deal with in the stress mode, like how, how do they handle? So, so it's really for this, both building the capacity, but also how to handle the stress as it's coming at you. Wow. That's amazing. So how uh, it's kind of going back, um, back to other topics we we're talking about, but it could kind of go back into this exercise. Um, you know, being a leader, whether you're leading one person or 300 people, 500, 5,000 people in big corporations, how, how do you start from the bottom up to like, because like foundationally, when you have a company, you want to teach leadership as well. So you're helping others become leaders mm -hmm. and they can grow in the company. What are some like key um, takeaways for, for someone like us who have around a dozen employees, you know, give or take throughout the year, how do we help 
our our team become better leaders, um, even if it's a smaller team and and uh, they don't really have the the opportunity of being a leader per se as a manager, but being a leader like in the company. And on top of that, I know it's a long question, but on top of that, like in terms of resilience, like how do you teach resilience within a within a, even a small company like ours? Yeah, well, if you notice that that the emotion of appreciation or care, right. um, building a little bit more of that into the fabric of your team meetings and how you interact with okay. people will also help build resilience. That makes sense. So um, we, you know, in my team, we we start meetings and sometimes I I do sort of a round robin where we're showing up in the four boxes, right? And so yeah. to the person to your right, give one piece of feedback, um, appreciate appreciative feedback on something that they did oh, okay. that you noticed well. That's a really good idea. That's really cool. That's like natural, that's like natural, like being a leader because you're taking taking yeah. the step. That's it's very gonna, cool. We, start. we do stand-ups every Monday morning about what was good last week and what was good or what we need to plan for the next week. And it would be really cool to implement that. I like it. Whoever's to your left, you know, let's that's that's awesome. It always makes us up. That's amazing. What was um so uh, a couple, two, two questions that I had for you, what was like the, the spark or the kind mm. of gateway drug you could say into resilience for you? Was there something that happened, some life event that happened that like really made you resilient? You know, some people ask like what happened in your, some, if what happened in your past can yeah. sometimes impact your ability to stay resilient. Exactly. And I, I do believe that's true. There's some, there's some evidence of huh? how you do that. For me, I, you know, I came to it also for myself for two things. One, I was having trouble sleeping at night. Um, and so I could get to sleep, but I couldn't stay asleep. And, and I, thoughts would just be racing in my mm. head. And I needed to get a handle on that um, because it was definitely depleting. And the other thing was I noticed in the moment, so I often have to deliver uh, 360 feedback, which is basically feedback from your directs, maybe your board, your, you know, your peers. And that can be very triggering for some leaders. Um, and when I'm delivering that, I can feel them getting upset. You know, I'm very, um, uh, I have a strong sense of empathy, accuracy and empathy, compassion. Mm -hmm. And I was taking some of that on, or sometimes they would lash out at me, right? right. Shoot the messenger kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And, and so how do I stay, how did I need to learn to stay resilient in the face of sometimes dealing with very difficult scenarios, you mm -hmm. know, and, and where people are getting triggered. So I had to do it for me too. <laughs> wow. That's cool. So to kind of wrap it up, we have a few mm -hmm. more minutes. Um, yeah. If there was some key takeaways for, for, for someone, just like the one thing today that they can just really start to practice that's easy outside of that exercise, but like, just like a thought that you can start thinking, um, when you're, when you're in or when you're talking to someone at your company, um, for our listeners, like what is one thing that they can really start to think about, um, in terms of being aware of being resilient? Yeah, I would say, uh, building emotional intelligence, part of which is really understanding what are you feeling in the moment, connecting to that because it has important information mm -hmm. for you. And once you get the information, then you need to shift out of it, shake it off like the deer, mm -hmm. uh, the antelope, um, and shift in. So how much of your day are you spending in frustration, irritation, mm -hmm. and anger? And how much of your day are you spent in appreciation, gratitude, and love? 
And it, it, maybe it sounds like, oh, that's so nice. But <laughs> when you see what it's doing to your body, it, right? Wow. Not a, let alone other people that you work with, but just your health alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to make a big difference for you. So pay attention. Okay. Love pay it. attention. I, I think that's awesome. <laughs> well, Susan, where can everybody find you? If our listeners are looking to just see more information about you, learn a little bit more, where can they find you at? Yes. So, um, so we have actually a download. I'm going to okay. get, get that for you. Perfect. Um, that has some information about resilience where you can get one of those sensors uh, that oh, I mentioned cool. that oh, you awesome. can actually see. Um, and it talks a little bit about the, the infographic on the model. So you can get that at susandrum.com slash bros. Nice. So S-U-S-A-N-D-R-U-M-M.com slash B-I-Z-B-R-O-S. Um, and certainly there's information to go to our website, which is Meritage Leadership. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Susan. And we learned so much from you absolutely today. that and was the an awesome conversation and i'm sure everyone's going to take away a bunch yep. um and hopefully start applying some of the things that you know we've all learned in this conversation so thank you so yeah. much for your time thank you. thank you thank you awesome well thank you everyone for listening in um and enjoying this podcast if you haven't yet please subscribe to uh anywhere you can find uh, our podcast on marketplace and make sure to check us out on instagram at biz.bros and we will see you guys in the next episode see you guys